So, as I mentioned, we, we hear often as Catholics, where is purgatory in the Bible? Well, the word purgatory doesn't appear, but neither does the word trinity. But yet, the trinity is the entire basis of our faith. So, I wanted to mention here, this passage is one of actually several that support the doctrine of purgatory. I say to you, you will not be released until you have paid the last penny. Well, wait a minute. Jesus did it all. He did it on the cross. There's nothing you have to do. There's, all you have to say is, Lord, Lord. That's not scriptural. But yet there is some form of atonement that is scriptural. Let's look at this. Now, what is purgatory? According to the church, purgatory is the state, not a place, according to John Paul. Surprising. John Paul II says, not a physical place. It's a state of those who die in God's friendship, assured of their eternal salvation. So everybody in purgatory will end up in heaven, but who still have need for purification to enter into the happiness of heaven. How many of us here are perfect? Raise your hand. <laughs> <laughs> it makes perfect sense. God forgave us, yes, on the cross. We, on our EWTN show, interviewed Vinny Flynn a couple months ago. If you haven't seen it, we have it on our web page. And Vinny was talking about the importance, he says, but he sees almost in confession is that opportunity to now receive all the graces that Christ won for us on the cross. Yes, Christ won this for us on the cross. He won redemption. But it's when you go into that confessional that you cash the check. That's my term. I, I'm just saying because it's, it's, it's receiving that grace. Now, how do we know this? Well, that's not biblical, Father. Uh, but yeah, it kind of is. What about Moses and David? Moses and David, God forgave their sin. But did he just let them walk away with no consequences? What happened to Moses? Because of his sin of untrust, he was not allowed into the promised land. What about David? Because of his sin, his firstborn child died, his sin with Bathsheba. So there still was required reparation. Even though his sin was forgiven, Moses and David, there was required reparation. This is sometimes in the form of suffering. What about the New Testament? What does it say? All right, 1 Corinthians 3 says, man can be saved only through fire. Now think about this. In, in heaven, there is no fire. There's no needing fire. It's perfect. And in hell, no one can be saved. So if you can only be saved by fire and there's no fire in heaven to purify you and in hell, nobody could be saved. There's got to be something in between. Second Maccabees 12 says that they made atonement for the dead so that they might be delivered from sin. Now, wait a minute. In heaven, nobody needs to be delivered from sin anymore. And in hell, they can't be delivered at all. Their eternal fate is sealed. So again, there has to be a middle ground. All right. Paul, St. Paul, the Jews <clears throat> and all the early Christians right on their tombs asked for prayers for the dead. 
Why? Because they may not have yet paid the last penny. What we just read. I say to you, you will not be released until you have paid the last penny. It's in Scripture. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 12, verse 59. So this is why 2 Maccabees talks about praying for the dead. They may still have not paid the last penny. Well, wait a minute. That's not in the Bible, Father. Maccabees was added by the Catholic Church. No, it wasn't. Martin Luther took it out. It's always been in canon. Now, what is purgatory? Okay, purgatory is only for those who die in a state of grace. That's important. Don't think you're going to wait till you die and then pay for your sins in purgatory. Purgatory is not the forgiveness of sins. All right? It's not. That happens in the confessional. Purgatory is where you've not yet paid for all of the temporal punishment for the sin. Because although we're forgiven, you've heard my example, the boy who dad said, don't play baseball, and he breaks the window. His dad says, you're forgiven, but now you're grounded. This is a loving father. So it's not the forgiveness of sins. I get those letters on YouTube or comments on YouTube all the time saying, you're telling us Jesus did not do all the work. You're heretical. You're a heretic. No, I'm just giving you church teaching because purgatory, what most people don't understand is not for the forgiveness of sins. Confession is what's purgatory then father. Three points, three things of purgatory. One, detach from things that are not of God. If you cannot live without sports, okay, okay, I gotta sometimes look here myself, you're gonna have to detach from them, either on this earth or in purgatory. So detachment, that's the first thing in purgatory. The second is to atone for the wrong you have done. Okay, so for the sins that I have committed, I have to atone for those. Purgatory is a place where you atone for those sins you've done. You've done the consequences for that. And third, and most importantly, you prepare to meet God. What does the bride do on the day of her wedding? She prepares. She gets everything ready. She becomes spotless. She puts on the white dress. She is spotless so that when she meets her groom, she's ready. That's what purgatory is. We're getting ready. Therefore, no one in purgatory will remain there forever or go to hell. Purgatory will be emptied at the end of time. Purgatory, everybody will end up in heaven. So the tradition of our church on purgatory, do you know that goes back before Jesus Christ? This is fascinating. People don't know that... Our tradition of purgatory and what we've adopted for the understanding of praying of the dead goes back before Jesus Christ. Purgatory is even the Jews prayed for the dead. Now, purgatory, as I said, is sometimes seen as a place, but it's not. It's a process of purification. Um, John Paul II said it's not a physical place, but a state and so we have to understand this. Where, what is it? What does it do? Okay, attachments to sin. We probably all have them. Gluttony, greed, selfishness, impurity, whatever our struggle might be. All right, habits of sin, drinking, 
you know, um, sexuality, whatever it might be, even venial sins. These are all removed in purgatory. What does the word venial mean? What does venial mean? Forgivable. Forgivable. Now, venial sin does not set us in direct opposition to the will of God, though, like a mortal sin. All right. A mortal sin puts you in direct opposition to the will of God. And if it goes unrepented, it's a lost soul. Father, where's that in the Bible? Paul said, some sins are deadly. Some are not deadly. He doesn't use the word venial and mortal. I mean, we have to understand when somebody's saying something. Do you know how many different ways the Bible is translated from the original Greek? Okay, because Paul didn't say venial or mortal. He said some sins are deadly and some sins are not dead. Well, that doesn't say venial or mortal. <sighs> the meaning, this is why we have a church. It defines this for us. But some venial sins, or I should say not some, since venial sins weaken charity, they manifest a disordered affection for created goods or creatures, and they impede our growth in virtue, we need to be purified. And you've heard me say before, that's what sin is. Sin is taking your eyes off the creator and putting it onto the creature or the created thing, or worst of all, yourself. That's the definition of sin. Now, there's good news. <laughs> I, gee, Father, way to wake us up with all this Catholic guilt. No, there's good news. Okay, purification can, can occur in this lifetime. You can do it here. All right, we can be purified in this life. How? Voluntary self-mortification, deny, deny ourselves, pick up our cross and follow Christ. Remember, that's how to be a disciple. Um, penances, detaching yourself. These are all deeds of, the biggest one is deeds of love. All right, generosity to show the love of God rather than yourself. Why? Because love is what heaven is. Heaven is about love. So if you in this earth detach from yourself, that's step one, and then attach to God, you're ready for heaven. But in this earth, if you are attached to yourself and detached from the law of God, you're not ready for heaven. Purgatory makes perfect sense. Thank God there is a purgatory. When we're accused of saying, oh, yeah, purgatory, you're a heretic, you should answer, praise God there's a purgatory. Because how many of you are so perfectly detached from yourself and so perfectly attached to God that you're ready to walk through the doors of heaven? Most of us probably aren't. If it wasn't for the mercy of purgatory, we would all be lost. Praise be to God for the gift. So one of the ways that we can, can also remove is an, is an indulgence. You've heard me say this. I've done talks on it. A plenary indulgence is the remission of the temporal punishment due to sins whose guilt has already been forgiven, meaning you've been to confession, you've been forgiven of the sin, now the punishment due to that sin 
is wiped away. Again, indulgences do not forgive the sin. Confession does. Confession's part of the indulgence. Now, God gave his church the power to forgive sin. We know this. Whose sins you forgive are forgiven. Whose sins you retain are retained, Jesus told the first priests. Well, if the church can forgive sins, why can't it forgive the punishment? Again, it makes perfect sense. And it can, and it does, through indulgences. Now listen to this. This is what the church says. Because of the communion of saints, remember, we're part of the communion of saints. Who are the souls in heaven? They're the church triumphant. Who are the souls on earth? We're the church militant. Who are the souls in purgatory? The church suffering. All right. Because of the communion of saints, that means the whole body of Christ, the church militant, triumphant, and church suffering, heaven, hell, I'm sorry, heaven, purgatory, and earth. Because of the communion of saints, the faithful who are still pilgrims on earth, that's us, are able to help the souls in purgatory by offering prayers in suffrage for them, especially the Eucharist. But you didn't know that. The greatest way you can help your loved ones who have passed is offering up the Eucharist for them. Today, offer up the Eucharist for those loved ones who have died. It's the greatest way. And then you can also help them by almsgiving, indulgences, and works of penance. What does St. Faustina say about this in the diary, 1226? Jesus told her, assist those souls that need help. Draw indulgences from the treasury of my church. And just last week, we talked about the treasury of the church, the treasury of merit. When did I do that? It was like Wednesday or Monday. It was this week. I think it was Monday. Yeah, I don't remember. I think it was Monday. But this is our gift from God. And if we do this, we release souls from heaven. I'm sorry. <laughs> from purgatory. Now, do you know when most souls are released? People think Easter. It's actually not. When most souls are released from purgatory, according to the mystics, the number one day souls are released, Christmas. Second is All Saints Day and All Souls Day. Third is Good Friday. Fourth is the Assumption of Mary. And fifth is the Ascension. That's what the saints and the mystics tell us. So I finished by saying, you know, a lot of times, and I did a talk on this. In fact, our EWTN show on Wednesday is going to be about ghosts because we are getting close to Halloween. So join us on Wednesday of next week on EWTN at 6.30 because our show is going to be about ghosts. Are they real? What is church teaching? Well, you know, ghosts may be holy souls asking for prayers. You hear a bump in the night, knock on your door, could be a holy soul asking for prayers. But they are good. These are good souls. Souls in purgatory are actually saints because they have won their eternal reward, Right. You know, although they're suffering, they're happy because they know that God's will reward them. They will be with God in eternity eventually. Now, we do call them poor souls. Why do we call them poor souls? Because they've not yet realized what they're longing for, union with God. So they're still poor in a way. They don't have that yet. 
And so we pray for them. A soul goes to purgatory, though, for most reasons, sins against charity. Please watch the gossip. Please, what Maria Simi said, most souls that are in purgatory are for gossip, lack of love, charity, calumny, defamation, detraction. You know, the greatest weapon against going to purgatory is not only stopping that, but humility, because humility is how you stop that. Wow. So to avoid purgatory, you need to help the holy souls because once they are released into heaven, they will pray like crazy for you. You want to avoid purgatory? Help the souls in purgatory now. All right. How do you do this real quick? Confession, communion, penance, daily rosary, offering up your sufferings and your crosses. Get the sacraments, sacrament of anointing before you pass, indulgences, and most of all, acts of love. So basically, everybody, I finish by saying, do it now, right? Do it now, because, you know, suffering on earth has more value than purgatory. What do you mean by that, Father? Purgatory, they say this, one ounce of suffering on earth is worth more than a thousand pounds in purgatory. So one little bit of suffering on this earth is more valuable. Why? Because on earth... Your suffering can help you grow in, in patience, virtue. Um, it can merit, which you can't merit after you die. You can't merit. So suffering can help change us on this earth, whereas in purgatory, it doesn't. It just atones. I hope that makes sense because it's powerful. So praying for the holy souls in purgatory, do you know it's the greatest act of charity you can ever do, according to our founder? Why? Why is praying for the souls the single greatest act of charity? Charity is what gets you to heaven. Love is what gets you to heaven. And, and somebody says, well, okay, Father, how do I love? What's the, what are the best ways I can love? The greatest act of charity, according to St. Stanislaus Papchinsky, our founder, was to pray for the holy souls because they cannot pray for themselves. And that way you help purify them. And you are purified. And you know what's funny is um, I'm going to have Brother read passage, Diary 58, because uh, at the end of communion, because it talks about St. Faustina, it talks about purgatory. But um, I did forget one last thing. If you're a little scared of purgatory, and in a way we should all be, and I mentioned indulgences is one way to wipe out eternal punish, or, uh, temporal punishment, but the biggest of all, Divine Mercy Sunday. Divine Mercy Sunday, the one day of the year where you can be completely forgiven of not only all sins, but all punishment due to sin. If you do two things, what are they? Confession and communion. Anyone can get that grace. Unlike an indulgence where you have to have detachment from all sin, even venial. On Divine Mercy Sunday, Jesus promises that one day of the year, you can be wiped clean of not only all sin, but all punishment. And that's when John Paul II, who we celebrate his feast day tomorrow, when he died, it was Divine Mercy Sunday 
in the Philippines. <laughs> John Paul, in my opinion, was wiped clean as God rewarded him for all he had did. And he was cleansed of sin and punishment because that's the promise of Divine Mercy Sunday. So I always laugh, Lord, if I'm going to get run over a bus, by a bus. Everybody always says, I hope it's after I'm coming out of the confessional. I always say, no, if you're going to get run over by a bus, have it after having had received Holy Communion, after having received confession on Divine Mercy Sunday. <laughs> Praise be to God. You know the beautifulness of our faith. And there's a more beautiful gift than God's mercy. And it is seen in the most extreme way, ironically, in purgatory. And we can even be given more grace than that to have it wiped away on Divine Mercy Sunday. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content, which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit DivineMercyPlus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's DivineMercyPlus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily Masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.